Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, the host of this podcast. And after spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted to continue to find ways to give back to individuals that want to get into this business or individuals that are currently in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'll have the privilege to sit down with top-ranking professionals in our industry. You'll hear their career path, what they look for in successful people, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Time certainly flies. It is crazy to think it's season four of 52 Weeks of Hustle already. With season four, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path. We're going to discuss three key topics that are current in the industry and three hustle hot seat questions. And... Three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now, on to our guests this week. Many times working in baseball may scare some people off due to the amount of games. However, if you have the right mindset and outlook, working in baseball can really help elevate your career. Our next guest has spent a lot of his career in baseball, and I'm excited to have Jim Willits, Vice President of Sales and Service for the Chicago White Sox. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, Travis. Thanks for having me. Jim, very excited to have you and dive into your career and you, you attend Waldorf University and then Northwest Missouri State University and receive a degree in public relations. What ultimately led you to get into sports? Well, I, I played college athletics 100 years ago, and um, that is kind of what triggered me as I wanted to keep playing some sport or be involved in some sort of sport. I wasn't going to be making it professionally. So um, I was looking to do something on the sports side of things. I originally started to be a, wanted to be a sports agent pre Jerry Maguire movie. Which, that's <laughs> Show me the money, right? And um, and uh, I looked into that, and at that time, you really had to go to law school and have a law degree. That's all changed at this point. But I ended up um, working in uh, going and meeting some people at a sports career fair in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, that's what launched my career as far as internships and things of that nature. But I, I wanted to go to the team side versus trying to be a sports agent because the sports agent uh, community was very, very, very competitive, probably still is. But I went to the team side instead of the agent side. You know, and your first team job and team side was with the Phoenix Coyotes, where you almost spent five years. And thinking back to that time, early on in your career, kind of first job, what's one piece of advice you would give all listeners of what you wish you could have known back then that you certainly know now? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is drive revenue in, in my current situation, you know, for no matter what you're in, whether you're in marketing or whatever it might be, find a, a way to drive revenue and then everything else falls into place for you, you know, and then you can, but in order to part of, part of driving revenue is just working hard and getting after it and, you know, driving revenue will set you, revenue will set you up for the rest of your career in the management or keep being you know, a sales rep, whatever you choose. But when, once you drive the revenue, everything else takes care of itself. Absolutely. And you get the opportunity your first time around to work in baseball, which we'll talk a lot about this time with the Cleveland Indians, the now Guardians, and in, in, in a leadership role. Why was leadership the right fit for you? You know, I, I'm i not really sure. I think I just kind of fell into it. Um, it was something I wanted to do is get into the management role and get into the I always sat as a at a desk in a boardroom and or I'm sorry in a in a cubicle and I thought about always wanting to get into the boardroom to see what else the other executives yeah. were talking about. Yeah. Even though um you know I thought it was where I wanted to be that's what I ultimately strived for and um once I got in there and started leading people it was something I really enjoyed and you know found it challenging and also very very rewarding at the same time. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, after a few years, Jim, on your end, you get back into hockey as you become the vice president of sales for Comcast Spectacor with the Philadelphia Flyers, amongst other ancillary events and other teams and venues there. Why was that the right opportunity for you? Um, You know, I think I was just very fortunate to be able to, you know, be in a situation where I was, you know, contacted, I think we were a recruiter, but um, about that organization and being a part of uh, Peter Luco's organization, which was ultimately, you know, going back to what I originally said, driving revenue, filling the building and, you know, work hard, play hard environment. It was just a perfect fit for me. And it was nothing better than my times in Philly because we really got after it, had a lot of fun and brought in a ton of revenue, filled buildings and just enjoyed ourselves. And uh, that's why it was a perfect fit for me. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, having fun, filling buildings and, you know, having a lot of success. You and your team certainly built something very special there in Philly, uh, including a 90 game sellout streak. And so amongst that, what what would you say as you look back to your time in Philly, what are you and your, your team most proud of? Um, I think, you know, the, the sellout streak, but then also, you know, a lot of people will sit there and say they sold out after they make a run to the Stanley cup. So I would like to credit a, you know, great team that we had on the ice as well. But I think the team off the ice was so poised and ready to go for us to um, be successful. So when the time came for us to make a Stanley Cup run, which was in 2010, we were ready off the ice from just a staffing perspective, a training perspective. And um, once that happened, we went to, we made a run for the Cup uh, in 2010. We were one game away and lost to the Blackhawks, ironically enough. And we were able to capitalize on that moment on in time in the sports industry when you're supposed to. And really, I never look back and think, oh, we really missed this opportunity or we missed that opportunity. We really we maximized every dollar we could during that run. And then we continued to maintain it. And that was all due to the staff that we had and put together. I think that's my most proud moment is the staff was just unbelievable during that time. And it, you know, you mentioned it a couple of times it all starts and stops with people. You know, and surround yourself with the right people. And after eight years in Philly, you spent a few years in other sports opportunities before the Florida Panthers, the executive vice president of sales for a few years. And then over six and a half years ago, you then get back into baseball, this time with the Chicago White Sox, where you still are. And much of baseball is certainly about the amount of games. And, you know, I, I kicked off it is, you know, and I've worked a lot in baseball, as have you. And people will say, I don't know how you do it. It's too, so many games. What advice do you have for listeners on there if they're thinking about, the sport they want to work on or, or work in? Yeah, sure. I think that ultimately people ask me that question all the time, like, oh, baseball. Yeah. I guess maybe if you started off in the NFL and maybe go, <laughs> trying to go to, uh, you know, NBA or NHL or, or Major League Baseball, it's a big jump. But really with baseball, uh, having worked in basketball and baseball and hockey, um, I think it's it's not as big of a leap as people think. I think that the game's – you know, come and go so fast, you kind of need to be well out in front of everything that you're doing. Not that you don't need to be that way with, uh, you know, working in NBA or, or uh, NHL, but the game is just, you know, when you have an 11, 12 or 13 game homestand, it's like, poof, these, there's 13 games just knocked off right off the bat. Yep. And so it's not as bad as people think, you know, and, and I think that people are, oh, it is a long season, don't get me wrong, but um, I don't think it's as bad as people think uh, compared yeah. to uh, some other sports. 
I agree. And in general, in sports, they're they're all going to be long seasons because there's really no off season, right? It's like the non-playing right. season in general. And you know, during your time and you know your your continuous time there with the White Sox, you and the team have had a lot of success. What do you feel like you and the team have done on a, such a consistent basis to have success, kind of regardless of team performance? Yeah, I think going out and selling the experience is a big part of it. Because no matter what team or organization you're with, um, wins and losses are great. And we all look a lot smarter when we're winning. But if you sell on the experience of the game, of no matter what sport it is, and then when times get tough, you still have that conversation with those customers that say, hey, remember when you came out to the game with your family or your friends or your coworkers or whatever it might be, you should come back, even if the team's not doing so great. If the team is winning, it's an easier conversation to have. Yep. But um, selling the experience and, you know, having people realize that that's what they're, they're coming out here to have a good time, regardless of what's going on with the team. Yeah, Jim, for your end, throughout your career, you've worked for several organizations for for long periods of time. And what do you feel like some of the organizations you've worked for do such a good job of, of maintaining top employees like yourself? You know, I think the biggest thing just organizational wide is creating a culture. I mean, that's kind of a cliche answer a little bit, but um, I think that creating that culture for employees to want to be part of that organization, you know, I think it's, it's changed a lot. Like it used to be, you know, a long time ago, you could put a marketing manager job out there or even a ticket sales account executive job out there. And in seven days you get 12, 1500 applications. Yep. And I just think, um, this day and age, you know, I hate to say that and make myself sound old, but th- that changed, that's changed a lot. And I think people are looking something different. So that something different needs to be um, doing things internally to make people feel good about being a part of the organization. And a lot of teams do great jobs with that. Um, there are teams that don't, they're just, yes. they bring them, people come in and they pay them and they're like, you got a paycheck. That's all you need. And then those people have a revolving door. And I think that, you know, having little extra perks here and there, whether it's, um, you know, lunches available to people every day or, you know, workout facilities, um, you know, some, lot, some remote working, uh, you know, some believe in that, some don't. I think sports is kind of coming back to less remote, which I understand it's kind of part of our business of being on site. And um, just adding those extra benefits and making people feel good about the culture. But also, um, you know, just creating events for staff to get together and whether it's a simple happy hour or holiday parties this time of year, whatever it might be to have make them have fun and be proud of the place that they work at is really what has to happen in an organization to uh, retain good, good uh, people. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Jim Willett, Vice President of Sales and Service for the Chicago White Sox. And Jim, let's get into three hot topics. Question one, I know you have a heavy focus on the value of people here in the first 10 minutes of the podcast. We've talked, you know, kind of at nauseum about people and organization. As you think about some of the most successful people you've worked around, what are some of those key characteristics they have? Yeah, I think um, I say it all the time when we hire people, it's going to be we kind of simplify it. Work ethic and brains, you know, um, if you've got a good work, work ethic, you really can't teach that to people. They either have it or they don't. And you got to be able to grind and get after it every single day. And like you said, there's no off season. Sports isn't like a, you know, we're sitting around with our feet up on our desk uh, all off season. And I think that um, also brains, you got to have a, you got to be able to, to learn. And, um, you know, a lot of people try and it's hard to be able to find that in an interview process. Yep. But if you can, when, if you got somebody that works really hard and has got a good brain and willing to learn, um, that's the golden goose right there. And that's the way to, that's the perfect person to look for and, and you know, having your organization. Absolutely. And question two is you've worked now over 30 plus years with, with, with organizations and, you know, the, the teams on the ice have had some ups and down years and, and the team on the courts have had some, you know, and, and as well as on the field. What is your advice on being able to run parallel paths from a business standpoint, kind of regardless of wins and losses? Yeah, going back to what I said earlier, you know, if you sell uh, based on wins and losses when a team's winning, you're going to be dead when they're losing. Yep. So, yep. you know, when yeah. the team, when, the, when your organization or departments are uh, ready to go, when the team is having success and capitalize on all of that excitement, um, you know, that's the thing you have to do when you're winning is, is make sure you're maximizing at all times. Um, and then when the time comes, because this business is cyclical, like probably most businesses, when the time comes and the team's not so good, you can maintain what you build versus just building it up. And then the team goes South and drops off. Drops. And I think that's what a lot of organizations do and probably don't understand is they they build it up when they're having success and everyone feels good and there's tons of money flowing through. And then all of a sudden, a year or two later, it, it falls off a cliff. It's because they sold based on the wins and losses and yep. not just the experience. The wins and losses makes it easier or harder. And right. depending, uh, yeah. But you got to really sell the experience. It's what we do. We're in sports and entertainment and you have to be able to sell that experience. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. You know, when the, when the time comes, when the team's, not that great. I, I can list a number of franchises that have seen it happen. Um, it's tough to come back and it'll take a while to come back. Yeah. So, and, and as you think about that, you know, kind of second part of that question is what's your advice to listeners out there? Because there are a ton of people that you and I have talked to over the years of like, well, why do you want to work for the White Sox? I'm the biggest fan. Yeah. And it's like, they're, they're so committed. So like, what's your advice to listeners on a lot of this is a mental game, especially if you're in a revenue generation department you may be getting kicked in the teeth on a consistent basis if your team's not very good. What's your advice to listeners of just being able to like somewhat put blinders on and keep pushing forward? I think, you know, you got to have thick skin. Um, yep. You know, and like I said, everyone looks a lot smarter when they're winning. 
But when you really make your money is when they're losing. And, you know, you got to be able to uh, have thick skin and be able to talk to those people that are not happy, no matter what you do, because that's what's going to happen. And, you know, and just keep going and keep grinding. I hate, you know, saying that that, that word, but really it's about just keep filling the funnel and keep moving and keep contacting people, keep meeting people, keep working with different networks and whoever it might be. And good things will happen for you. If you sit there and just go, I don't want to reach out. I don't want to touch base with anybody. I don't want to do that. You're never going to get where you need to go, whether you're on the sales, service, marketing, um, you know, any side of the business, they're never going to get there. Absolutely. In question three, Jim, you know, as you've, as we've discussed your overall career path and, and several moves and, you know, moves with the family, what's your advice to listeners on out there on being willing to take a risk? Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of people play it safe and maybe they, part of this business is moving around a little bit. And if the people are like, I'm, well, I'm going to stay in this market. I want to stay in, I want to stay in the market that I grew up in. And that's fine if that's what you want to do. But sometimes you have to take that risk. And I think that, um, you know, a long time ago, um, it, you know, I was looking when I was in Phoenix, I was having the conversations about going to the Cleveland Indians, now Guardians. And, um, you know, I did I wasn't sure I wanted to go, even though I had a great opportunity in front of me. I never been to Cleveland before, except for when I interviewed two times in a row. And um, I, I wasn't sure I wanted to go. And someone said to me, I think it was my sister, actually, and said to me, you know, if you go, you can come back like right. it's not, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that was really kind of definite. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, you're right. Like, what the heck? Go for it. And I think that's my message to people. Just go for it. Like, who cares? Like, if you go there and you go to California or go to Colorado or go to Texas, whatever it might be, and it sucks and you want to get out, you can go back to where go you back. came from and stay home and go back and try to find another position there. But I think that's what kind of further my career as far as taking that risk is like, you know, there's it's it's really not that big a deal. It feels like it at the time, um, but it, it it and it's all said and done, it'll work itself out. And if you bet on yourself and make it happen for yourself. It'll work. It'll work out for sure every time. Jim, what a great career. Certainly an exciting journey you've had. As you think back, what's been your best memory? Wow. Uh, you know, I've, I've gotten that question. Then also, like, what's your favorite city? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. that one yep. um, I think, you know, in each one of my stops, I've been in different points of my life. You know, in the 20s, I was in my at the Coyotes and that was just a riot. The group was there it was fantastic. I learned uh, very early on that I got to sell whether we win or lose, um, you know, Cleveland, another different stage of my life. And then as we move forward, you know, um, I think that the, uh, the, the best part was probably Philly. I mean, it was a long stint and we just had such a great staff there and we got along so well, it took us a while to get there, but um, we made the run in uh, 2010 for the Stanley cup, but we were also had other deep runs every year that we were there almost and that was so fun only because everyone was rowing the same direction. Yep. And that was the biggest thing. It was just everyone wasn't out to get their own. We were really out to, to have fun and do what we wanted to do, which was make the organization better. Yep. And I've been part of organizations where people are just out to get their own or out to make their own department or make themselves look good. And those are challenging. Those are challenging times during when you're working for an organization like that. So to answer your question, Flyers, Sixers, 
Um, you know, that time that I was there was unbelievable. It also starts with leadership. I mentioned him earlier, but Peter Luco, you know, he's a legend and, and one of the best in the business as far as leadership goes and um, learned a ton from him how to create an unbelievable environment, which is what we had in Philly. That's awesome. Well, Jim, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey. And to, to finish it off, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? I got it. I think so. <laughs> if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, man. Um, there's a guy I went to high school or family friend I went to high school with. He, he sells like a certain type of meat. I don't know what it is. But anyway, it, steaks are unbelievable. It'd be a T-bone steak for one of his his uh his products there and, and my wife's sweet potatoes too they're unbelievable that's a that's a good good helpful save there make sure you put your wife's cooking <laughs> yeah. in there and all. what's a fashion trend that you would love to see come back oh wow um you know i think i feel uh my knee-jerk reaction is parachute pants i don't know why that was kind of a weird one but um i i had a high school teacher that always wore the same stuff and we always used to make fun of what he had on and uh, he always used to say hey look I'm just going to keep wearing the same thing because eventually it'll come back in style. Come back around. He was, he was always right. I don't know if parachute pants have come back in style, but they will be. <laughs> eventually they will be. It seems like everything comes back in style. So uh, coming soon to the Chicago White Sox team store. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, there'll be a 10,000, first 10,000 fans get parachute pants. I mean, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you could go to dinner with anyone, whether it be uh, alive or had passed away, who would it be? Wow. Um, I have a lot of answers there, but I, you know, I, I like um, a lot of Winston Churchill quotes and things of that nature. Yep. So Winston Churchill, Abraham Lincoln, something along those lines, I think it's, you know, super powerful, smart people at the time. And um, to this day, a lot of their stuff carries through. So I think it'd be interesting to sit down with them and pick their brain. Jim, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Um, I think, you know, ultimately just work hard. And some people are like, Oh, I work smart. Well, that's great. You do, but can you continue to still continue to work hard and, um, you know, be a leader and, and, you know, not care about what everyone else is saying about you. People might not like you because you're number one in sales or number two in sales, or you're the one who's reached out the most to sell a sponsorship, whatever it might be. And people will whisper, Oh, I don't like that. Per-. Who cares? You know, and I always say within three to five years, everything bad that people are saying about you is going to go away or sooner, you know, maybe sooner than that. And um, ultimately, the biggest thing is, you know, when, you, when you're younger, you get caught up in so much drama, so to speak. Um, don't get caught up in that drama. And there's only one person that's going to hold you back for what you want to do. I mean, I'm a kid who grew up in a small town of Iowa, like 500 people. And, you know, now I've had this career, which I've been very, very fortunate and blessed to be able to, you know, live. And, you know, I think that my biggest thing is, I know it's a little cliche, but nobody can hold you back except for you. And uh, so just go for it, no matter what it is. And just remember, you can always go back to wherever it is you want to go. I love it, Jim. Thank you so much. What a great career. Always a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. All right, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.